our vision, whatever region and city we have. Um, and really put technology, innovation, broadcast, creativity right at the centre of, of our programme. Um, and embed it across lots of our partnerships, you know, look at all the different agendas that are important for the city, um, and also think of the landscapes that we're working with and the communities that we're working with. So we're really kind of bringing it together and starting to have a really interesting kind of creative uh, conversation through the creativity that we're, we're making. Um, and I suppose so some of the things we sought to look at is developing uh, immersive and screen sectors in the city and looking at kind of how we can move that agenda along, thinking about capacity and skills building, developing talent pipelines, particularly for young people. Tony, uh, through his program, has done a lot of work uh, with young people and, and youth organisations. Showcasing incredible new work by established and emerging talents. Um, and also, as I said earlier, just embedding the work we're doing across sectors, environments, and landscapes. So I just thought I'd just share with you a few examples of some of the things we've done. So um, when we opened our year, and we've got, I know we've got a few of our colleagues from uh, Marshmallow Laser Feast uh, in Northern Delhi today, um, we wanted to open our year, uh, obviously, last year in June, in May, June, um, and we, we commissioned uh, a big project called Observations of Being uh, with Marshmallow Laser Feast, um, which was seven immersive artworks across the um, uh, London Road Cemetery, which is part of our um, new heritage quarter. Um, and for us, it was really important to work with Historic Coventry, who managed the, the London Road Cemetery, and to think about how we um, look at the kind of built environment as well as the natural environment and the role of immersive within that. Um, and that was a really successful uh, event that took place over the last summer. Um, and really kind of explored our place as humans uh, in the natural world. So a really great way of demonstrating how digital and immersive art can connect us uh, with nature outside and, and, and further afield. So that was one of the projects we did last year. The second one I wanted to mention was Project Reluda Groups, who are an um, immersive uh, company based in, a digital immersive company based in Coventry. Um, and we supported them to deliver uh, their biennial festival, which is called Random Spring, which is a festival of art, technology, and play. Uh, and this year, they, uh, last year in the autumn, it took place along the Coventry Canal. Um, and again, it was kind of thinking about how we use immersive technologies to engage people with natural landscapes around them. Really successful and showcased work by uh, 18 emerging digital artists. So a really great way, again, of investing in that talent pipeline. Um, third example is working with the British Council. So we've, we've been working really closely with the British Council since we won the title. Um, and there's a whole range of uh, projects and activities we've done with them. But one of them was um, a project called Beautiful Cities. Um, and we've uh, developed a program, uh, the Digital Story Lab, Storytelling Lab, which is a collaboration between young people in Coventry, young people in Nairobi, um, in Kenya. And so over 12 months working with the space um, and the BBC R&D team, we've really kind of worked with those young people to think about um, how you can put digital storytelling at the center of how you communicate, how you collaborate. And I know Darren was involved uh, with some of that work as well. Um, and really an exciting program of work that we're gonna be publishing on BBC Digital uh, next month. So really great project that connected people across boundaries, across continents, um, using immersive technologies to really understand who we are and the world that we live in. Fourth project I wanted to mention was a project we've done around tech for good, 
Um, and one of the big agendas we've had is kind of thinking about inclusion. Uh, one of our teams at Caring City team really working with some of the more marginalised people uh, in Coventry. Um, so we wanted to look at how technology can be used for good. So we commissioned um, uh, an XR project um, with Jerry Bob at Rebel Creators. Um, and it was really, I suppose, um, creating an AR app um, called Urban Jungle, um, which was really, which was uh, launched as part of our CDX festival this year. But again, it was designed and created with young people in the city, so very much kind of engaging people in immersive technologies and thinking about kind of how they can use that in different ways to communicate, collaborate with each other. Um, We've also done a really great project with Unlimited, who, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they're an arts agency who work with disabled artists. Um, and so they have supported a big program of work with us, uh, investing in art um, and, and creativity by disabled artists across the city. And so Al Davison, one of the uh, artists that received one of those grants, has developed um, a project called Muscle Memory, uh, which he's creating a kind of an animated uh, interactive graphic um, which will be kind of on our website. So again, just kind of lots of different ways in which we're thinking about how we um, test and play with all these technologies. Um, one of the um, big projects that's coming up, I mentioned earlier that we're right in the middle of the 5G test bed here in, uh, in Coventry, um, is we're working with um, uh, Celestial, who are a drone company, drone art company. Um, and we're creating a big project called um, Our World of Family, which will be a growing show. And at the heart of that, we're going to be demonstrating some new ways of working with 5G technology. So really putting it right at the center of a major event where we have 10,000 people in the Royal Memorial Park um, experimenting with this new way of engaging uh, with content. Um, and I think, you know, obviously the work that Darren's doing, you know, we're really delighted to have uh, commissioned the project with the BFI um, and with uh, East City Films. Um, and I think what that's done in terms of our program is looking at how you can put activism and, and, and the city's role in activism right at the centre of this immersive storytelling. Um, and I hope most of you will have been down there and see it today, but it really does take you on that journey. It gives you that real experience um, and immerses you in that world, which is, uh, is such an exciting uh, project. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of a sense of some of the projects that we've been involved in. I would also mention we've done lots of work with broadcast as well. I'm not going to go through it all, but we've commissioned work for TV and radio. Uh, we've done big, large-scale live streaming. Uh, we've done podcasts. We've done outside broadcasts. We've built our own YouTube channels. So we're really experimenting with uh, citizens in the city um, about how you create content and then how you can use it in, in interesting and different ways. Um, and I suppose the culmination of our program is the work we've been doing to really cement a long-term legacy for the city. So in May, uh, we're going to be opening the real store, which is going to be opening just on the back of this hotel, actually, uh, which will be the UK's first permanent immersive digital art gallery um, and a new visitor attraction for the city. Um, and the first um, exhibition will be by Rafik Anadol, Anadol um, who's been working really closely with NASA um, using artificial intelligence and huge amounts of data uh, to create incredible kind of filmic, filmic um, graphics um, in a 3D kind of landscape. So it should be quite extraordinary when it opens. I hope that you'll all come back and see that exhibition that will be opening down the middle of May, uh, running um, on into the rest of the year. 
So hopefully that gives a little bit of sense of um, how the future of immersive XR and broadcast is really um, alive and kicking uh, in Coventry. And I really hope that the partnerships that we've been building over the, the year of being City of Culture, but also the conversations we're having tonight and continue to have over the next few months, will really start to build and strengthen that legacy as we go forward um, and continue some of those uh, partnerships for Coventry so that we can continue to play um, a really incredible role uh, in the future of this, uh, this work. Um, so thank you, and um, just before I go, I do need to say a few thank yous, and then I'm going to hand over. Um, so first of all, I just want to say a big congratulations to Darren and Dan and Ash um, at East City Films. It really is extraordinary and innovative what you've created, and we're so thrilled to have been able to commission it with the BFI. Um, and thank you to the BFI. Um, this is the biggest investment in immersive, I think, that they've ever made. So um, it's really exciting for them. And thank you to Ben and for both of the Ben's, Ben Roberts and Ben Luxford, uh, Mia, Kristen, uh, Maris. It's just been great working with them as a partner. And um, hopefully, this is the beginning of the journey for this project. Um, and then finally, just more widely, just to say a few thank yous. Uh, to some of our partners, you know, we don't deliver a city culture program without um, loads of investment, and it just doesn't happen. Um, so I just wanted to pick out um, specifically uh, the DCMS because they supported our broadcast program, um, and without their investment, we wouldn't be able to do that. So really big thank you to them, and also Arts Council England. Um, thank you so much. Have a good evening. Enjoy the discussion. I'm now going to pass over to Darren and the team. Thank you. talking last night to Dan and Toby in the bar and I, was, and I was telling them about my New Year's Eve where I went to this place called the Ribley Ballroom and it's in South London and we took the kids because it was the only night of the year that the kids can come. And it's a massive ballroom and the kids were just diving around, sliding on their knees, having a load of, like, load of fun and it was great. And what it reminded me of was uh, a wedding in the 1980s where it was like, for me, it was like multi-generational and everyone's having fun. And, um, and it was a really great night. And then I woke up this morning and I thought about it, and I thought, actually, my memories of those sorts of kind of parties in the 80s were actually everyone else having fun, and I was normally sitting on the side, and I was like, when I was younger, I was, I was pretty shy. And my mum was a professional dancer, so she was always trying to get me to come up. Like, come, come and dance, come and dance. I'd be like, no, 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 I don't want to. And I, would, I used to go up, and maybe dance, and it'd be like 10 minutes before the end. And I'd be like, oh, I actually really like this, and then it'd be over. And, and then the next event like that, I'd still be on the side. And that all kind of changed for me, I guess, in November 1995, when I was at university, and some friends kind of piled me into a car, and we went to Club UK in Wandsworth. And um, we basically danced all night, and they lost track of me, and they found me probably about 3 or 4 a.m. on stage with my shirt off, like, going mental and and I just remember that night so clearly because it was such a 
it's such an important moment for me. I felt sort of connected to people. It was an awakening. Uh, I, I danced all night, and, and I felt like right there and then, like a sense of community with the people that I was I was there with, and it was like a really beautiful shared experience. And then from then on, it was like every weekend was spent at clubs like the Fridge in Brixton and Four One Four and Cloud Nine, all these different places. And then also kind of going around Kent, where which is where my university was in like these like golf GTIs and Beatles, trying to find like uh, parties in like disused railway tunnels. I went to one on a nuclear submarine, a disused decommissioned nuclear submarine in Folkestone. That was mental. And uh, and trying to find forests and stuff like that. And, and so when I was kind of devising this piece of work, you know, it was that sort of kind of spirit of adventure, that those sort of moments that define who we are as young adults when we're kind of, we're, we're really sort of free for the first time, but we're out of kind of the schooling system, you're away from your parents, and then these are the times that really sort of mean something, and where you find yourself. And for me, that was kind of a really important sort of moment, and something I really wanted to show in this this piece of work um, the adventure and, and that sort of awakening and seeing the world I guess with new eyes so the reason for making uh, in pursuit of repetitive beats was really to kind of to recreate that and I wanted to take audiences we've been making VR I guess we've been seeing films myself for like seven years now and it's kind of developing and we're trying new things and this was really about sort of creating something that really wanted to feel like a joyride I wanted to take audiences into something that when they press kind of go on the record deck, it really takes them away. They lose sight of the door, that, the metaphorical door that they would have walked through and, and they get taken on a narrative journey, but also a visceral and exciting kind of dazzling experience that, that reconnects them with, I guess, the, the human side of life. Um, and, and in many ways, like working in VR over the last seven years, has been a little bit like a little bit like those early days because it is as a medium, you are going on an adventure. You're not sure where it's going to lead and, and exactly how it's going to pan out. But there is a community, and 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 it's and it's been a really kind of beautiful sort of time, really creatively. Um, for me, VR. It's not really about the technology, it's about using the technology to reconnect with the human experience. I think, you know, people use VR in different ways, some people are really great at taking us to places that we could never possibly imagine, you know, the natural world. But for me, it's about, it's actually about going back to the things that make our lives really special and those human connections uh, that, that are meaningful. And so it, it's really it's really fun for me to kind of play with those mediums and all the different techniques that we've used in this particular piece to try and basically create a feeling, um, a moment. So if you come out of this piece and there are moments in it where even for for a couple of seconds that you go, oh oh yeah, I, I remember how that felt and and it was special. And some people have come out and said, oh, you know what, I want to call that person that that friend that I had that I had. That I spoken to for a while and just kind of reminisce that they're not, that's enough and I think you know over the last couple of years with COVID and all that kind of stuff and we'll go on about COVID but like you know people I feel are longing for that kind of physical connection that shared experience and you know often VR is kind of uh, spoken about as an as, as isolating experience or it's not a shared experience but I think it can be 
and um, both narratively, but also in the way that you present it and, and the way that you kind of create a moment for people. Um, so I hope those who have done it enjoyed it and those who, who are about to do it or will do it tomorrow will have fun. I'm going to say some thank yous as well because it's the opportunity to say thank you. But I want to say thank you to Tony for believing in it and commissioning Thank you to me for everything, all your support as well. And uh, everyone at uh, the Photography City of Culture Trust uh, who have been great. And the BFI, obviously, for uh, coming in and supporting it and funding it and kind of being with us on, on that journey. I want to thank uh, Dan Tucker and uh, Ashley Cowan, who's like my long-term business partner, who, you know, I couldn't do it. You know, we couldn't make this without each other. And also, like, we had, like, a really big crew. Like, it's a credit list that <laughs> took ages to write. You know, it's like, oh, oh, you know, there's a lot of people. But so there's a lot of people that have worked on it. And I special mention to Ollie Lindsay and Adam Child, who aren't here, but are all seeing I, who, you know, are basically geniuses. And, um, I want to thank Kippa and Alex from Portsmouth, uh, University of Portsmouth CCIXR, who did a lot of our motion capture for us and came in and supported us, and Toby from the National Theatre Immersive Story Studio, who also was really supporting us and, and, and letting us have the space and stuff like that. And lastly, I want to thank Amnesia House, who are the local promoters uh, and characters, shall we say, who, who did something really amazing in like the late 80s and it was a it was a scene here that kind of unified different factions of Coventry, different areas, different races, different classes to come together to create something that was actually really beautiful and I, you know and they readily say they didn't really realize what they were doing when they were doing it uh, but they had they had the nous, they had the entrepreneurial spirit and the connections that turned something <coughs> disparate into something collective and I think that's a really beautiful thing that they did and uh, and thank them for that. So I'm gonna we're gonna play the trailer. <laughs> you're not driving around at all twelve o'clock on the night. The windows open, the stereo on trying to listen out to something in the field in the background. The sign was going from the pit of your stomach all the way up into your chest. Hello, this is Amnesia House. Tonight's mass and glass will be taking place as usual. It was the most amazing experiences of my life. I just wish that I could go back to those moments. Places and when you've 
said, oh, did you know Coventry had a big rave scene? And I was like, no, I didn't, actually. Because Coventry is kind of missed out on the, when you, when you buy the books about Acid House and documentaries, it's not really included. Sometimes you might get a mention of The Eclipse, which was a big pub that's been demolished here, which was a huge sort of 24-hour pub. And, um, but you don't really hear that much about it. So finding out about it, was really interesting and there's a there's a filmmaker here, a local filmmaker called Amy Dowling, who's made like loads of films about it. It's sort of almost been his like life's work and that was really great to see his work and to figure out like to see how again like the community sort of came together, you know, it's at the end of the nineteen eighties, which is in, in this country is was quite a depressed time, at uh, the end of you know, ten years of Thatcherism and industry closing and, and, and a lot of you know, uh, a lot of uh, people out of jobs and stuff like that. So, um, to understand how that came together was was really kind of fascinating. You know, things like the Jamaican sound system uh, culture, which is really big in Coventry, uh, and you know, the Jamaican area here is in hillfields, and how basically the sort of kind of more Irish uh, guys from Wood End and Bell Green would needed speakers so they went to the Jamaican guys and you know and, and they started kind of coming together and also football culture in the West Midlands which is uh, which was a really big thing here in, you know Aston Villa, Birmingham, Coventry the big football teams traditionally and they all had at that time firms which were like kind of you know they would fight against each other and actually what you see with the Coventry scene is how the same sort of organizational qualities and connections across city borders that would be employed for fights were able to be reconstituted for a party scene. And I think that's really sort of, in a sort of kind of social uh, history way, that's a really interesting uh, thing to see. And, and to understand that a lot of those people wanted to change uh, what they were doing and you know, and kind of, you know, stumbled on what is a cultural youth revolution and dance music kind of as it is now was kind of born and it's, you know, very commercial now and it's kind of homogenized, but back then it was an exciting new thing. Yeah. What do you think makes it an idealist story of the night kind of the art? Yeah, the kind of wine of the art question. Uh, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... I think it's ideal, really. I mean, it's it. First of all, it's like as I said, I kind of want I want to take people on the journey, and I always think about it as this like with VR is is it's like you know you put on all the stuff and you and you kind of walk into VR, and it's like walking through a door. And I think like if you're always aware, kind of where that door is, then you're kind of like lost already. If you're already like touching the side of the of the headset, you know like, how long is this going to be? Then 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 you've got a problem. And so what I want to do with this is like, you know, it's set on one night in 1989, so it takes you from, you know, sundown to sunrise. And there's so many opportunities, I think, for uh, both cinematic sequences, uh, really kind of uh, rich 3D environments set in a different time period. So, and, and kind of brilliant voices, like original kind of like voices of people. So I think it can take you back to sort of literal kind of spaces, but also kind of metaphorical spaces, like the radio tuner and stuff like that, and play with archive in like interesting ways to create, to create a sense of, of, of a time period. So I think it worked, I, I mean, 
it's difficult. It's difficult to know exactly what's good in VR until you start making it, really. And I think um, hopefully this works. And anybody still have the floor? sort of media kind of skill set like film and video and TV but like over the last of years I've learned a lot through experimentation and also kind of working with like people like Alex at, at Portsmouth and stuff like that who are doing kind of really great work and getting kind of opportunities to to experiment and funding to experiment I think there's a lot of people in this room obviously that have worked in the immersive sort of sector and understand and have seen the progression and also the challenges of how to get stuff funded and financed, which, which is tough. I mean, it's, 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 it's been tough since the first go. Um, I think there's a lot of access now to, to the technology, like, like game engine technology and you know, Unity and Unreal uh, are becoming much more easy to access. When we first started doing 360 video in 2014, we, we, a lot of it was all hacked and, uh, and, and it was quite difficult uh, to do some of it and, and now it's, it's, it's become, it's, it has become more accessible. So, I, but I think fundamentally it's about experimentation, it's about, it's about taking opportunities and, and not feeling, and feeling like you, you have something to say. I think you have to have something to say to really apply it to the technology. Uh, but if you do have something to say, then I think there's, uh, there's really great opportunities out there. But you know, it, it can be, you know, we've done lots of things for this piece of work, which is like volumetric capture and mocap, all sorts of, you know, like uh, decent video and blue screen and stuff like that. But, you know, immersive audio and, and you know, all those, all those other sort of kind of uh, aspects. You can do kind of, you can start smaller scale, and but it's about telling good stories that, or, or interesting stories that, that resonate with the artist. Hi, Darren. Uh, no, just to say thank you. I, I just created it a little bit. Um, I have a question about where the project goes next. Because for me, the only thing that would improve that was after the sunrise room. That we walked into a party, into a rain. And I know that sounds silly, but I kind of I really mean it in the sense that presenting that project in a kind of film festival environment doesn't really resonate to me, but all the trimmings and the kind of what's around it and what's after it, I think, is, is, is really exciting. I wonder how you feel about the kind of future life of the project. Well, <clears throat> 
think you're right. Like people come out and they're kind of quite buzzed. They were like, where are we going? But um, <laughs> the, I mean, one of the original ideas that me and Ash have discussed before is wanting to create an event. So create a night that has like DJs and, and like, like it's almost like a secret cinema part for VR. And I and I feel like with that it was it's about taking over a venue. I mean I, I thought about this and I thought about like um, dressing a venue like a, a service station, like you know the, the you know like a, a motorway service station, but having like I thought like having tickets where you come just for the clubbing, but uh, other tickets where you do the VR as well, and then you come out and but but eventually everyone comes together, so it's like something to done in the VR because you know VR has a capacity. Uh, throughput issue, of course, but I thought that would be quite interesting, and and to be able to explore sort of different genres, different different eras, stuff like that. So, I mean, that would be something that we'd love to do, and it's definitely something that we've we've thought about. Um, but you know, one step back time, I guess. But but you know, it would be it would be something we'd love to do. You know, to make it to make the whole to make the whole environment immersive in a way that. In the way that you know you're in that world, whether you're doing the VR or not, and you know at, at, at 10 p.m. you know DJ Cold Cops are going to play, so everyone's like coming out and like, all right, let's go into that room now. Yeah, you know, I think that would be really cool, and then maybe that would be a uh, financially viable. Someone <laughs> 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 have to sell drugs. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got another question over here. Hi. Hi. Um. I'm um, a local film company um, having produced three um, I'm interested in how um, you um, think um, anyone can a scene which um, heavily used ecstasy so um, <laughs> so Obviously, the film is um, only using your eyes and your ears, whereas MDMA affects your entire brain. 
That's a good YVR question. Um, we've tried to... Um, <laughs> with this project, we've tried to add more than just, obviously, the visuals. The sound are very important. We have haptic vests that, that the participants wear as well, that are like sub-packs that, that give you the bass frequencies so you feel it. And so it's really um, important for, um, because you know, you're trying to recreate what it felt, what it feels like. And, and a part of that is the anticipation and the trepidation of, of walking up to a club. And there's a scene where you, you walk up to a club and you can feel the bass. Boom, boom, boom. And, and it's like, and it, and it kind of gets you there. And it gets to that moment. I really wanted to do that because I, I, I know that feeling. We've also, in, in this piece, we've got some, um, some air and fans that kind of, so create, creating as, as much of a sort of kind of a more immersive environment in, both in, in, in terms of physicality. So I think, um, yeah, you know, it's like, how close can we get with all of these different techniques? And we could probably add some more, like, to get close to that feeling of um, being on ecstasy, but, you know, it's, um, I think, I think, you know, in terms of the language of cinema and the language of theatre and the language and how VR combines a lot of those things and gaming, it, it can, it, it can get quite close actually if, if you build it in the right way and there's a couple of scenes in it where we're really trying to build it up to a point where you might get a little tingle. <laughs> you must come see it and you love it. One last question. Hi, I'm the You know, like ex-ravers are actually quite hard to contact most of the time. <laughs> like, you know, you set up, you set up interview schedules for them, and then like you just don't hear from them, and they're all on different. You know, someone's text only. Some of you got an email. Some, you know, some only respond to phone calls or WhatsApp. So it's like, you know, we did a interview, a four days of interviewing at the box up in there. Um, and it was just really hard to get people there. We'd like constantly call them, are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? Uh, so getting them down even to the box actually to experience something that they're in is a challenge. But uh, we've got a few of them coming. There's, uh, there's only a couple that haven't responded, I think. But, uh, and so I'm really looking forward to that uh, because a lot of them are so passionate about the time and have lived it. And, you know, especially... No, as I said, like uh, another filmmaker, Aidan Allen, has done it, like a really like forensic, almost like kind of documentary film series about Amnesia House and how it started. And, and I wanted to, even though this piece is set in Coventry and it does obviously involve Amnesia House, it really is more of a universal sort of experience of clubbing. It could be in Blackburn, it could be in Manchester, it could be in London. Around that time, it's a similar feeling. So the people that we spoke to. Are mainly from like uh, the West Midlands, from Birmingham, Sully Hole, 
uh, rugby all around there, and and so they used to travel to Coventry to uh, to come to the away. People from London used to travel to Coventry, and that's and that's a really exciting legacy for Coventry to have in, in it, musically. So they're really passionate about it. They've got great memories about it. Some of them didn't. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, 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 like, yeah, very uh, monosyllabic answers. It's like, yeah, it's good. And, uh, but, but the ones that, that do remember it, uh, we've used, and yeah, I can't wait for them to see it. Actually, got a film reaction, and like the police. And the police are coming. Uh, the police are coming. So, Coventry um, uh, City Culture, we're, we're working with the police quite closely, weren't you, throughout yeah. the whole sort of year. So. Uh, as long as they're not coming to shut it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. So, so it would be nice to see what they think as well and, and see how they feel that they came across. Because I think actually we entered, interviewed a couple of police officers and, and it's quite funny how like their perception of, of the scene is still kind of rooted in the kind of uh, doctrine of the tabloids from 1988, you know, what acid music was and what it isn't, you know, and um, there's still some misconceptions there. But actually, like, all of them were very sort of kind of very laid back about it all and remember it as being a period where they were just like, they were clueless about it, really. I mean, they were just like, I don't know. There was no licensing laws to stop it, and there was, and that's why 24-hour pubs became a thing, because they were like, we need to do something, so let, let's update the licensing laws. So they were just chasing around. But they all say that, you know, everyone that they, um, that, you know, they used to turn up these raves and everyone was like friendly and like hugging them <laughs> and like taking their hats and like, so they were just kind of, they were along for the ride really. Thank you very much, Darren. Good question. You gave me the hardest question. They're not, they weren't talking about it. It's a whole bunch of people really. Come to the to do um, gravy stuff, coffee and biscuits and we used to do it for the night. Here we go. You're going to say 